Welcome to Equipus Church Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Desiree Levy. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. How's everyone doing? Doing okay? Yeah? Big smiles. Good. Um, I've got a great word that God's laid on my heart. I was actually running this week around the um, peninsula and um, I was praying, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to speak? And um, God just downloaded... Um, this message and um, what he wants to say. And so I'm really excited. Um, It's a really, I think it's a really timely message um, just because we are closing one year and heading into another, not for any other reason, okay? So just timely because it is December. And um, I'm excited about that. And, you know, as I close out one year and begin another one, I like to dream in God. I like to ask him questions. I like to hear what he says for my next season or the next chapter or wherever I might be heading. And I want to stay in that creative space today. And especially because, um, you know, we've themed 2022, go big. And I just think, what, what great opportunity just to enlarge some stuff on the inside, perhaps in our hearts, perhaps in our minds, perhaps some way in our lives. And, and you know, my encouragement to us all today is um, let's write our stories. Let's actually be in charge of them. Let's write our stories, the stories of our lives in the hands of God. Um, let's not let it all just happen to us, but rather let's write some stuff with Jesus. Um, in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 in the message, it says, Please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. Let's not waste a minute. Let's not waste the time. Let's not waste the opportunities. Marvelous life that we get to experience with God. So write your story. Create something new. Embark on something. Turn a new page. Begin a new chapter. Don't pull back when you should push forward into all that God has for you. And so I want to look in the Bible today at three heroes of faith. I want their lives to inspire us as we consider closing out one year, heading into another year. You know, what is possible? What could be? And how they wrote the story of their lives. And from those three heroes, I've got three dominant themes or three things that I think are common in these three stories that we can really pick out and we can learn from today. Because for each of them, there was a change that happened, there was a challenge that they had to accept, and there was some courage that they needed to walk out. And so the title of my message today is Challenge Accepted. Challenge Accepted. And the three people that I want to have a look at are Daniel, Esther, and Paul. And, you know, with these three heroes in the Bible, I'm going to give you a little bit of their story. We're going to unpack it a little bit today. But you know what? For each of them, for every single one of them, they didn't choose the change that happened, but they did accept the challenge within it. I was listening to this um, property podcast the other day. Yes, I am a nerd. And um, they were interviewing this psychologist about how money, you know, impacts your life and changes your mind and all these lies that we tell ourselves and stuff. And so not related to this message today at all, apart from this one fact, um, the psychologist said something that really stuck with me. He said, essentially, our brains want to order things really, really quickly. Our brain doesn't like change, new, odd, different. And so when something new or challenging pops up, we're trying to like process it really quickly and it's called processing fluency. We're trying to get to the order really quickly and sometimes we don't let the change happen. 
And our brain doesn't even care if you get to the right result, it just cares that you've ordered it. <laughs> Isn't that terrifying? So the next time you find yourself ordering some stuff really quickly, think, is this the right thing? <laughs> or have I just gone really fast because my brain doesn't like new, doesn't like challenge, doesn't like different? Change is inevitable. Change will happen. And instead of us being paralyzed by it, could we allow it to propel us into something new? Accepting the challenge that we find in the middle of the change. So three stories and three common themes. There is change, we have to accept a challenge and we're gonna need courage to walk it out. So the first is Daniel. Um, We meet Daniel in the book of Daniel, and um, when he was young, Daniel and three friends were actually captured. They were kind of like, you know, caught, taken, exiled from their home into um, another foreign land, into Babylon. And um, often we shorten the book of Daniel, because you'll probably know this when I tell you, but we, we shorten it to a couple of key phrases. We say Daniel in the lion's den, and Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and the fiery furnace. So those are the two major themes or stories in the book of Daniel. And um, it's fair to say that change happened to them, isn't it? So they were taken. It wasn't a free choice thing. They didn't go, here I am, I'd like to come and serve you. They were taken, they were stolen. They were exiled. And they were prisoners away from everything that they knew, and they were made to serve in this foreign nation. So they were away from their families, their cultures, and their religion. But the Bible tells us that God gave these three or four young men special understanding and wisdom. And he gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of dreams and visions. And because of this, they impressed the king of the land where they had been exiled to. But while they were in his service they definitely experienced evil and unfair treatment. You know, there was a decree made at the time that you had to bow down to this golden statue and you weren't allowed to bow down to your own God. And there was even a ban on prayer that you weren't allowed to pray to your God anymore. And these were the kind of changes that were thrust upon Daniel and his friends. And it caused them to accept the challenge to stand, to hold their ground, to hold firm. You know, the three friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they declared that they would not bow to anyone except their God. And um, this this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Listen to some powerful words in here. We find it in Daniel 3, verses 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, that was the king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. I really love these, these words. There's some powerful words in this passage. Because have you ever had some change thrust upon you? And have you ever managed to take the high road of not defending yourself? I don't do it very well. (laughs) I race to my own defense really quickly. But these guys said here, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Our God is more than able. He is well able and he can save us. 
even if he doesn't, we won't serve your gods. You know, faith and trust were really evident in their response. The change that was thrust upon them had not altered their ability to trust God, did not alter their ability to have faith in amongst all of that that was unknown. And I love that um, the next scripture I'm going to read you, pretty powerful, because the three of them emerged from the fiery furnace, unharmed, and they didn't even smell. Shadrach, Meshach, or I'll give you the reference first, Daniel 3, 26 to 27. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire, and the high officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. This is a pretty powerful thought. Do we carry the smell of past hurt and pain and offense and change and the unknown through and on us and in our lives into the next season? Or are we able to emerge from things and not smell, not have that remnant, not have that pain lingering on our faces or in our hearts or in our relationships? Our heart hasn't been hardened. Is it still soft? You know, that's what this kind of scripture speaks to me when it talks about, like, I physically don't want to smell, yes, but I also don't want to smell in my spirit. I don't want to smell in my heart. I don't want to smell in my, in my face. You know, I've got many, many friends who say to me, Desiree, you speak with your face. And I have to be very careful that my face doesn't display smelly things, doesn't display pain and offense and hurt. You know, in the life of Daniel, he, he also refused to alter his prayer life as a result of the decree. In Daniel 6, verses 10, and then I'm going to skip to 16. When Daniel had learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual, as usual, in his upstairs room, with the windows open towards Jerusalem. That was his home. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty." The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. God rescued him. Again, similar kind of thought from this passage. He didn't emerge wounded. There was no scratches that were visible. He was unharmed as a result of that challenge. Change challenge, courage. You know, the end result of the book of Daniel, the whole idea of these guys is that it is God's glory that will be magnified at the end of it. 
his absolute sovereignty. No matter what happens, no matter what people try to throw this way, God's will have, God will have the final say. His sovereignty will remain. His plan, his purposes will remain. It may not look how you thought it was going to look. It may have taken a few twists and turns that you weren't expecting. But God will have the final word. Your faith will be built. Your faith will be built in the midst of it all. I don't know about you, but I want to emerge from changes and challenges, not smelling of smoke and not scratched. I don't want any more dents or hurts or pains than I actually need to have. I want to shrug those, shrug those things off and walk into all that God has for me. So that's the life of Daniel. Let's look at our second hero, Esther. So similarly to the life of Daniel, she was actually captured, stolen, and forced somewhere against her will. She was forced to compete for the affections of a foreign king. She was taken from her family. She had to, again, live in this foreign nation, culture, and religion. And she was held against her will. Change happened to her. But the way she responded to that change was up to her. And, you know, we read a book like Esther and we think, whoa, she's amazing. (laughs) She's so brave. But, you know, we read the book of Esther and we can read the whole thing beginning to end, can't we? But Esther had to live it one day, one day, one day, one day. She didn't know how it was going to end. We get to read the whole story and go, man, she was so brave. Yeah, and she was day after day after day after day. I'm, I'm sure that she didn't think to herself, I'm going to be queen. I'm sure she didn't think to herself, I'm going to save the whole nation. But one day after one day after one day, she carried on. You know, what I'm trying to say from this is we are all in the middle of our stories. You don't know what the end is actually going to be like. You are right slap bang in the middle of your story. Will you continue writing it? Will you continue turning the pages? Will you continue heading into the next season? Could you see the hand of God weaving something through the ordinary days of your life? Could you see him shifting, changing, turning, molding, shaping? Could you see his master plan coming over everything? What about if you just even stood back for a minute and had a look at the last five years? And read it like the book of Esther. Can you see where God has moved? Can you see where you've been brave? Can you see when you responded to change and you accepted that challenge? I don't think it was a very nice time for Esther. I think these would have been hard days. But like Esther, we too can hold the fight. We can stay in the game. We can continue turning up. We can continue writing our story. And Esther had this family member, Mordecai, and he was her encourager. She went to him for wisdom and for guidance. And, you know, like similar to the story of Daniel, in the story of Esther, the king had issued a decree, and it was to kill off the whole Jewish people. And Mordecai strengthened Esther and, and basically encouraged her to do something powerful with the position that she had been given. In Esther 4, we read some pretty powerful things. Verses 13 to 17. 
Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent the reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And then Esther, she holds this banquet and she invites the king to come in there and she boldly tells him her story. And essentially... She tells him, hey, you've issued this decree and a lot of people are going to die. If you'd issued a decree and it was just to enslave people, I could have lived with that. But because there is a, you know, a killing that's going to take place, a wide-scale killing, I can't sit back. And together, her and the king, they actually work out a plan that enable the Jewish people to fight back and overcome this plot that was against them. Isn't that amazing? Perhaps you're in just exactly where you are right now for this moment in time. Perhaps you've been positioned in the family that you are in, in the school or the workplace or whatever it looks like for you for just this moment in time. Wow. You know, life can be hard. Difficult things happen. Pain cannot be avoided all the time. And when life doesn't make sense... Do we turn to God or away from God? Could we trust and obey like Esther did? Powerful words that shape my thinking. And I hope encourage you this morning. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Could we reframe how we're currently looking at whatever situation we might be facing? Could you allow this God dream to rise up in your heart as you think about 2022? Go big. What does that mean for you? Perhaps you're born for that new thing, that new season, whatever it is, right now, in this moment. And instead of resisting it, could we push in? Our God is able. Could we hold firm to faith? Could we go big and believe that we won't be scratched? We will not die. We won't smell of smoke at the end of it. Change, challenge, accepted, and courage. My third hero of faith this morning is Paul. So Paul is, we find Paul in the New Testament. We get kind of introduced to him in the book of Acts. And um, he was also known as Saul. That was his first name. And um, he was on the road to Damascus to kill some Christians And he suddenly saw a blinding light and he fell to the ground and he heard Jesus speak to him. He was then led by the hand, blind, to Damascus where a Christian named Ananias met him. And Paul was healed of his blindness. He believed in Jesus and he was baptized and his life was dramatically changed as a result of this moment. So he was a Roman citizen who up until this point in time had persecuted Christians And he has this Damascus road encounter, this change thrust upon him. And his life does a full 180. Radical moment. 
you know, he became an apostle to the Gentiles. So the Jewish people were already being ministered to, but the Gentiles were not. And so he became an apostle to the Gentiles, spreading the gospel of Jesus. He was a missionary who went on at least four documented missions trips and planted churches all over Europe. He was a miracle worker, seeing great healings and miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was a phenomenal leader, raising up other church leaders everywhere that he went. And he wrote most of the New Testament. None of that would have happened without that radical change that catapulted him into a new season, changed his whole life, dramatically altered everything. Damascus Road Encounter. But, you know, the part of Paul's journey that I actually want to focus on today, right now in this moment, is that there was one key to Paul's life that sometimes we don't focus on, we don't look at, we don't dig deep enough into. You know, I think the source of Paul's courage, other than his dramatic encounter and his relationship with God, was the fact that he chose to not do life alone. Paul... Whenever you read about Paul, he is talking about his journey with other people. In all of his letters, he's acknowledging people by name. He's got deep, flourishing relationships everywhere that he goes. Um, He traveled with friends. He stayed with friends. He visited friends. He worked with friends. He preached with friends. He was beaten with friends. He even sang in prison with friends. He encouraged them, and he was encouraged by them. Sometimes he disagreed with his friends, and sometimes he reconciled with his friends. (laughs) You know, a quick read through Acts, and you hear Paul's commitment and his concern for other people. Barnabas, Titus, Silas, Luke, Priscilla, Aquila, Lydia, Onesiphorus, Epaphrodites, John Mark, everybody else. And in Romans 16, he mentions more than 30 names alone. And the whole list is just oozing with like love and kindness and affection towards these people. You know, he had constant interaction with other people. Everywhere that he went, friends. And I think, you know, God regularly strengthens us through relationships. Through the ministry and friendship of other people, we can be encouraged. We can actually be strengthened. We can have the courage to walk into that change and that challenge because we know we're not alone. We've got people backing us. Daniel had his buddies. Esther had Mordecai. Paul had a zillion people (laughs) everywhere that he went. Listen to how he talks about a few of his friends, um, about Titus in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 to 6. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction, with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. So God, in that moment, used Titus to strengthen Paul, to lift Paul, to encourage Paul. There was fighting on the outside and fear on the inside. And God's answer? Have a friend. I've got someone to walk with you. Here's Titus. You know, life can be hard and our hearts can be fickle, and I think we shouldn't underestimate coming alongside somebody else and just breathing courage, speaking a word of encouragement. Timothy and Epaphroditus, Paul talks about them as deep spirited friends. In Philippians, he talks about Timothy and he says this in chapter 2. 
If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. You know, Timothy, he actually became a believer under Paul's ministry, Paul and Silas. And then he joined Paul on missions trips. He was regarded by Paul as basically a spiritual son, kind of like a mentor, protege, father-son type relationship. And as they continue to minister together and grow in faith, their relationship just, just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And Paul seemed to gain special comfort from that relationship. Timothy was a real friend to him, someone he could count on, someone he could trust with mission and God's purpose and the extension of his kingdom. And sometimes, you know, it may have appeared that the relationship was favoritism or whatever, but actually it was just deep. It was built over a long period of time of service and of ministry together. How about another friend, Epaphroditus? I love that guy's name. Um, Philippians 2 also, and it says, you know, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. True brother, co-worker, fellow soldier. You know, he was, um, Epaphroditus was one of the Philippian Christians sent by the church there into Rome to minister to Paul when he was in house arrest. And without that love, that kindness, that care, that sacrifice on Epaphroditus, you know, on his part, Paul would not have had food or medicine or care or bandages or any of that kind of stuff. So it was a real, like, you know, mission trip into where there was great need. Serving in love doing nothing out of vain conceit or selfish ambition, but preferring one another, caring for one another. You know, would the book of Philippians even exist if Timothy and Epaphroditus hadn't done what they needed to do in that moment and been the friends that they could be in that season? Um, Barnabas. Barnabas was one of Paul's very first earliest friends that we read about, and um, he was in the first part of Paul's second half of his life, you know, first half killing Christians, second half spreading the word of God. And um, in the second half of Paul's life, Barnabas was one of the first ones that came alongside him. And um, Barnabas was often referred to as the encourager. That's how he's been described in the Bible. And I looked up the definition of encouragement, and it's the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. And I've also heard encouragement being referred to as putting courage into someone else. So breathing courage into another person. We all need some cheerleaders, don't we? 
you know, on this journey, if we are going to be, you know, in a world of change, if we're going to accept the challenges that are before us, we're going to need some cheerleaders that come alongside us and actually breathe encouragement into that next season. Walk with us a little. Partner with us a little. Party with us a little. Do this thing called life together, speaking words of wisdom and encouragement and love and care and concern. You know, and as I, as I move from those three heroes, how can you apply some of those principles to your story, to your life? Newsflash, you are the main character. <laughs> you are the main character in your life. Can you write your story? Can you apply anything from these three into your current world? Can I ask you a couple of questions? What change have you experienced recently? Because all three experienced some change. It was thrust upon them. Perhaps it's location, perhaps it's a job, perhaps it's health, perhaps it's friendships or relationships, perhaps it's study, perhaps it's some results. I don't know. But is there some change that you have experienced recently? And then my second question would be, is there a challenge in there that you can accept rather than dismiss? Rather than trying to process that change really quickly and get to some order that might not even be right, is there a challenge in there that you can step into and say, challenge accepted. I'm in the middle of my story. I'm going to write this chapter with faith and with hope and trusting in God. Your God is able to save you. Maybe you were born for such a time as this. You can trust God. No scratches, no smelling of smoke. You can trust him. And then thirdly, where and how do you need courage to emerge? Is it in your thinking? Is it in your behaviors? Is it in actions? Is it in your relationships? Is it in faith? Where do you need courage to bubble up to the surface? Are there some people that you need to ask to walk alongside you in this current season? Or is there someone that God has laid on your heart that you are going to be Barnabas to? Walk alongside, whisper words of encouragement. Music team, you can come and join me up here on stage. We're almost done this morning. Change, challenge accepted, and courage. You know, through it all, this great big adventure called life. I can assure you of one thing with 100% certainty. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He is above it all. He is over it all. He is through it all. His sovereignty and his faithfulness will permeate every season, every chapter, every moment of your life. In the book of Daniel, you know, it's very clear that God will have the final say. God is the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. And when everything looks like it's lost, he will still be in control. You can emerge from whatever you're facing without scratches and without smelling like smoke. God is sovereign. Esther, when events seem out of your control, God is at work. When it seems like you can't 
get your hands around it, God has still got it under control. And He works in amongst all of that. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me what it's going to look like. All I know is that we can trust Him. God is sovereign. When life doesn't make sense, He is still on the throne. Who knows? Maybe you were born for such a time as this. What about like Paul? What could erupt from your life if you don't resist your Damascus Road moment? What 180 could be done in your world? The second half of your story could look very different than the first half of your story. God is able. Change, challenge accepted, courage. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that God breathes some impossibilities into our hearts as we think about 2022. As we close out one year and we run full speed into the next one. Challenge accepted, God. Challenge accepted. Mighty God, I'm so thankful for this moment in time where you can speak to our hearts and we can hear you, that faith would be built in this moment. And I just declare, God, that you are whispering words of encouragement, truth. You're setting our feet back upon the rock. You're aligning our heart with your purpose, your will, your plan. I just declare right now, God, faith to lift in this moment. Nothing is impossible to you. You are sovereign, God. You are fully God, reigning supreme over it all. We trust you. We come before you again this morning and we sit in your presence. And we just pray, holy God, that you'd meet us right where we're at. And you'd just breathe faith, breathe hope. Remind us, God, that we've partnered with the creator of the universe. There is nothing that you cannot do. The future is bright. There are good things for us to walk into. In the midst of it all, you are still on the throne. You are in control. You are God. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.